Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to MiracleFruitOil.com, and if you use the code VITABRACE50, you'll get half off on a Vitabrace gaming wristband, or use the code BUYONE-GET-ONE, and it's buy one, get one free. That's right, just use the code VITABRACE50, or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some Vitabrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace, win with it. All right, and we're back once again with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for listening. And it's always a great time for me to talk pop culture when I also get to go and talk a little bit of another facet of the pop culture realm that I like to talk about from time to time. And if you see my waistline, you'll understand why. And that is cooking. And I'll tell you why, because... Whenever this man comes on the air, oh, I get hungrier and hungrier. And, uh, you know, after I will finish talking to him, I'm going to go run out and go to the store right away and get me some food that ready to grill because it is summer. It is that time of the year to go ahead and put everything on the barbecue, all that great stuff, and go ahead and, and get some great grilling ideas because this man right here, if you've not heard him before, he has definitely, definitely got a great show that you need to listen to. It is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You got to check it out on Apple Podcasts and over 30 different podcast outlets. You know what? If you've not checked out his awesome show on the barbecue scene, you're missing out. Also as well, you got to check out his awesome site, and that is SmokingHotConfessions.com. Plus, you get the deep insight on the barbecue scene, not only the food, but also the devices and the, and the grills that you can go ahead and and learn what to use, how to use it, and and where to go from as far as the, the ideas, not only of great recipes, but the whole barbecue scene as a whole. It is my good friend, who's also a pop culture aficionado as well. He can put that on the grill. It is Ben Arnaud. What's going on, my friend? Wow, man. What an introduction. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, I've done so many for you now. I've got to go ahead and up the ante. So uh, it's just it, basically what it does, it messes me up for the next time because it's all downhill from there. <laughs> At least it's not raining this time around. No, no. We're not competing with the uh, with the sound of the rain on the tin roof tonight, which is nice. No, no, it's just the sweltering heat here in Vegas of 115 degrees, but that's okay. Yes. Actually, you know what? I don't need a grill right about now. I just throw it out on the sidewalk, put a nice little steak there, and there you go. It'll get it'll get medium rare in no time. But it is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You got to check it out today. Truly awesome show. Before we go ahead and have you elaborate in detail at the end of our interview in regards to Smoking Hot Confessions. You got to talk to me about all the great stuff that you're doing and all the great stuff that's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture, because you know what? We're going to correlate some of the things in pop culture with some of the things you like to cook or you like to grill and see if they can go ahead and mesh together. Because you know what? Pop culture and food, I think they go together. I think it's okay. But first off, my friend, I know you got a chance to check out Avengers Endgame. You were psyched for it down in Australia. You were just so, so pumped and amped for it did it meet your expectations three hours later mate i thought it was incredible i i just loved that movie i went and saw it with my wife and son because we're all into it we all love it 
And I think my wife was in tears at, at, at four different points during the film. It just kept hitting these beats and uh, it had cut you to the core and then build you back up again for the next scene. And when you read through the roster of, of just how many people are in that film, it was unbelievable that they managed to do them all justice in what comparatively little screen time they had. And yeah, it, it was really cool. Some of the takeaways for me, I think I'm a bit disappointed that Black Widow died. I'm I'm assuming it's two months ago that we that we watched the movie, so I can talk about things like that. Absolutely, um, spoiler away, my friend. If you've not seen it by now, and it is the number two movie of all time, you know what? Sorry, we're just going to go ahead and have to spoil it for you. But <laughs> Black Widow did perish in the movie, and as a consolation prize, she is getting her own movie next year. And I would not put out of the realm of possibility if she's cool with it and Marvel's cool with it to get her back in there. Because if they do an A-Force, which is the Avengers force comprised entirely of women superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, then I would think she would have to be a part of it. And they'll have to think of some creative way out of it and where she, you know what happened to her. Because they're probably trying to do the same thing in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'd say so. They're probably going to try and uh, g- go back in time and save Gamora and and in the process save Black Widow as well. Because as you say, she is getting her own standalone film and I'm psyched to see that. I've been just dying to see her get her own movie. And as excited as I am about it, it's a prequel. And I really want to see where she goes from where we are now. I like just seeing her in the office, basically heading up the Avengers. I thought that would have been a very interesting character arc for her and a real positive role model for the female characters in the in the universe there well i'll tell you what if they do not touch upon budapest after hyping it so much i think on three different occasions in the marvel cinematic universe then you know what that's wrong that's just wrong i think they've got i think they have to touch upon it as far as how crazy quote unquote budapest was uh, whatever happened there with hawkeye black widow and all that so I think they should touch upon it. And I hopefully they'll also get Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury involved as well because he was a part of that whole scenario. So I'd love to see them get back to it. I'm not exactly disappointed that they're going back in time for it because I would love to see that part of her career because we've seen so much of her story arc now. Would I like to see her lead? Uh, you know, as far as uh, the Avengers once again, because she was the de facto leader of the Avengers for a good portion of the Marvel Avengers in-game. Yes, I would love that. Love to see her back in the saddle once again. But I do want to see her backstory because they've alluded so much to it over the course of so many different Marvel Cinematic Universe films. I'd like to go ahead and see them touch upon it. Absolutely. Yeah, it it would be very cool. And the the Budapest thing is going to be interesting because... You know, she and Hawkeye have been through aliens invading New York and all this sort of stuff. So, and they're and they're talking about oh Budapest, but like how does Budapest top? You know, or how does it even compare? Yeah. (laughs) So, like, what's the ante in that film? You know, like, what's the what are the stakes in that film if they've already fought and won against aliens invading New York? So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It is going to be interesting to see what they do, as that will most likely be the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films to come out next year. Then along you have the Internals. And I want to ask you, when it comes to the Eternals, Angelina Jolie obviously has been cast in the lead role. And, I mean, it creates some type of mystery as far as the Eternals, because the general Marvel Cinematic Universe fan does not have any clue on the Eternals. But then again, they didn't either for the Guardians of the Galaxy. But the Guardians of the Galaxy, the way the story was told and the narrative was created, it was very easy for people to get into because the nature of the Guardians of the Galaxy was so friendly and inviting and so comical. The Eternals doesn't seem like it's going to go down that same route, at least at this point in time. So if, if you're trying to get into what the Eternals is all about, I mean, that's the big question because Eternals for me is something that I know is going to be either a big hit or a big miss when it comes to the theaters next year. Yeah, it does sound like it's going to be a bit of a gamble. You know, you you got a race of immortals who lived on Earth and shaped its history. I mean, if they're that big and that powerful, why have they just been sitting on the sidelines and watching? And then 
how how do they stack up against someone like Captain Marvel? Right now, it's a wait and see because there is so much to detail when it comes to Eternals and educate the audience on before the movie even comes out. So, you know, that that's all wait and see. But I'm so glad that you and your awesome family got a chance to go ahead and enjoy Avengers Endgame and that it was everything that you were hoping for. I believe as well for many people that it was that great experience to close off that part of the of the series but then again it really doesn't because spider-man far from home actually closes off this part of the infinity saga which i thought was a mistake personally i think avengers endgame should have been the endgame am i wrong in saying that no i agree it's um i feel like they've really wrapped up the endgame saga now and i'm kind of curious as to what sort of addendum spider-man can put on there i um you know, th- there's a whole bunch of questions there. You know, it's it's five years later. Why are all Peter Parker's friends still in high school when he returns? And, you know, uh, there's all those sorts of questions as well. It's the ante. It's the stakes. It's, you know, they've already played for keeps. They've lost Iron Man. And uh, Captain America is now a very senior citizen. So what is there left for Spider-Man to add to that particular story? It's It's going to be interesting. I had some friends go through high school for five years, but it wasn't due to a Thanos snap. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Just bad grades, but we won't go there. We won't go there. I won't say who, I won't say who, Yeah, shout out, shout out, shout out. But uh, I will say that there's a lot going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's always a great time when it comes up on television or you put it in as far as Blu-ray for that total experience. I want to ask you, Mr. Grilling Expert, and our aficionado when it comes to the pop culture cosmos and barbecuing and all that, what kind of menu item would you suggest and say, you know what? Hey, Ben, I want you to come over to the house. I'm running a whole marathon of Marvel Cinematic Universe greatness. I want you to go ahead and come up with a dish that you think best serves the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ooh. Okay. I'm well, putting him what, on the spot, so to speak. I did not prep him on it for a reason. It was kind of intentional because, you know, what? this man comes up with the most delectable of meals, the most awesome of descriptions. And I wanted to see if he could do it on the spot because he's just so talented like that. And again, I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. <laughs> well, something that I love to do when I watch movies is grab a, uh, like a big frozen Coke type drink, like a, a slushy or something. And uh, you can absolutely make them at home. So I'd, I'd have some of them. And because I'm making them at home, I'd, I'd, I can have, you know, some margarita flavored ones or something like that if I wanted to. And with an icy drink, you're going to want something nice and hot and spicy. So you probably really couldn't go past some jalapeno poppers, I reckon, to sit there and, uh, and eat some of those nice, hot, spicy things with, uh, with a nice icy cold drink and sit there and... Uh, and make your way through some of those Marvel films. That would be pretty good. Oh, and, and some caramel popcorn too. Now you mentioned jalapeno peppers in the past, but you've also told us about how to best cook jalapeno peppers because those can be miscooked and those can be really flat tasting because I've gone to restaurants before and they've tried them and some of them can be done really poorly. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny. It, it comes down to... Uh, to whether they've been grilled or smoked, and also how well they've they've cleaned out the insides of those poppers. So if you just knock the seeds out but leave the white membrane inside the popper, it's still going to be really hot because the white membrane is where the heat is. If you scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape and scrape all the membrane out, then you're just left with like a, we'd call it a capsicum here, you'd call it a pepper there. So um, you want to make sure you leave a little bit of that white membrane in there so you still get a bit of that kick, but not too much. And you want to make sure that you cook the peppers with a offset heat. So you're not direct grilling them. You want them to, you want that bacon wrap to darken and color and take on the, the smoke and the charcoal. And you also want it to, well, f- for me anyway, I like to do it to cook it for a really long time so the bacon gets as crunchy as possible because I like my bacon crunchy. So for me, that's what I like because inside you've got the soft pepper and the soft cream cheese. So that that crunchiness of the bacon on the outside just really sort of offsets that in terms of texture when you bite into it. So yeah, a nice big tray of peppers, of, of jalapeno poppers. Oh, one tip I will give 
is to get hold of some meat church honey hog. It's a spice rub I've been playing with a bit recently. And um, it, it's actually got granulated honey in there as well. So after you've you've opened up your peppers, scraped the seeds out, left some of the membrane in, mixed up some cream cheese, let that get to room temperature, crush it up with uh, some dried powdered garlic and onion, stir that all up, put that into the pepper, wrap it in bacon, put a toothpick through it, smoke it for, I like to give it a long time, as I said, like two or three hours at a low temperature, about 225, 250. Before you put them in the smoker, grab some of that meat church honey hog with the uh, with the granulated honey in it, sprinkle that across the top of the bacon, turn them over so you get it on both sides. That's phenomenal. That's oh, good stuff. It's good. It's good unless you're eating it and you yeah, don't have that frozen Coke near you or the frozen margarita in here. Then you're going to be like, ah, ah, ah. but I'll tell you what, I want to ask you one last thing when it comes to cooking with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And again, I'm with Ben Arno from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. You know what? You forgot to mention shawarma. You got to have shawarma ah. as far as with the Avengers movies, of course. And with shawarma, I mean, I've seen it. Uh, you know, I've been to places. Actually, my, my daughter, she was my, my oldest daughter. She was so crazy for shawarma as far as after watching the Avengers because of that final scene as far as that's concerned. And, you know, she goes, oh, let's go to shawarma. Let's try a shawarma. So we tried it and whatnot. But it was all right. But I know it can be cooked better. And I know it was probably the issue with the cooking as far as the way it was grilled. So when you're cooking shawarma or lamb or anything of that nature that you want to go ahead and put in a gyro or shawarma type format, I mean, how best is it to approach? Because I have a sense it's for when I try it and I eat a lot of gyros from time to time because I love Greek food. I, I either taste really juicy and really good or really has a tendency to be dried out and, and flavorless. And that to me is kind of disappointing when that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That, that can happen. And a lot of that comes down to how long the meat has been sitting there before it's been put in wrap for you. What you want to do when you're looking at a place or if you're looking at, at doing it yourself is to cut it fresh and, uh, and not go to a place that's had it just sitting there for a while because it, it will dry out really quickly because they do cut it quite thin. So, yeah, that, that would be my advice there, would be to make sure that you cut it fresh off the uh, off the rotisserie. Oh, that sounds good. But do you have any other swarm ideas for you? What do you, what do you actually put on as far as yourself when it comes to or the tzatziki sauce? Because we've talked about this before on some of our more recent conversations as far as you know creating that type of shawarma euro type experience well if you're making them yourself then you've really got the uh the doors wide open in terms of creativity so the shawarma is based on a on a doner kebab traditionally it's made of lamb or mutton and again that that can be a problem because mutton is a lot tougher than than lamb which would be one of the reasons why they cut it or shave it so thinly which if it then sits for a while, then it dries out and it gets tough again anyway. So um, if you are making it with something like uh, chicken or turkey or beef, you can add different flavors to that to suit the time of year. So if you wanted to have turkey shawarma for Thanksgiving, you could, um, instead of like a thick sauce, you could add a little bit of stuffing and gravy or, you know, some uh, like a cranberry sauce instead of, instead of a tzatziki, something like that. So you can have a bit of a look at the time of year and just sort of look at the principles of the shawarma and then take some of your classic flavors and substitute them in there, which would be really cool. Oh my gosh, that sounds so delectable. You've done it to me again. You've done it to me again with the Avengers, no less. You've done it to me once again. But there's a lot of great things to talk about when it comes to delicious meals along with great pop culture I know something that you and I have talked about only in, in a little bit as far as not as much as Marvel or not as much as Star Wars. I want to get into a little bit about what DC is headed. And although it's a little bit convoluted from time to time, there is some success stories when it comes to the DC universe. I know one of the things that I'm sure you liked and appreciated was Aquaman when it came out late last year. Shazam, uh, I don't know about Shazam because unfortunately did not meet the worldwide audience that I think a lot of people were hoping for because it looked really cool on the surface. Unfortunately, my time watching Shazam was not all that pleasant, but I know for some people it was. 
Uh, your thoughts on where the DC universe stands going into the Joker movie later this year, Wonder Woman 84 next year, that they're already starting to promote. I was at some recent expos that I saw some heavy promotional Wonder Woman 1984 already promotion started already on it. Birds of Prey on all that coming out. But what are your thoughts on the DC universe and where it stands for you right now now that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is on kind of a little bit of a lull after Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of like um, Marvel had this massive success with their universe and DC went, oh, we, we're going to do that. I'm afraid I'm in the I'm in the camp of, of anti-Batman versus Superman. I didn't enjoy that. I didn't enjoy Justice League. I have... You're not, you're not alone, my friend. Justice League I thought was okay. Although I get slammed by that for even thinking that it was anywhere near positive, I said it was okay, and I'm talking about five or six out of ten. So, but yeah, that'd be bad B- for me too. Yeah, yeah. BVS was just awful, awful viewing. I've I've read that uh, that oh you you got to go back and watch the director's cut, and I just can't get through the first twenty minutes. Just like trying to watch it the second time, I just I just can't get there. So I think on the one hand, it's a good idea that they've kind of abandoned this idea of a, of a massive expanded universe and they're just going to focus on solo films. Um, but then, as you said, it's kind of muddy. It's they're, they're still going to do Wonder Woman 1984 and she's part of that expanded universe. And I can't see, after the massive success of Aquaman, I can't see him not getting a second or third movie. Now, the Joker is going to be really interesting, I think, because Joaquin Phoenix is just a phenomenal actor. He's one of my favorite actors to watch. And to see him sort of portray the everyman sort of crumbling and be, and turning into a monster is going to be um, – that's going to be pretty phenomenal, I think. Uh, hopefully um, it will be a, a different turn, but I don't know how much of a turn can be after we've seen some great performances from Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger. Yeah, well, let's not talk about the other one, Jared Leto. I think he probably would have done a good job if they'd handled it better. Or they given him any writing for it. Yeah. Okay, so he's really barely on the screen at all, and and he's not really had any chance to shine at all, one way or the other, I think, when it comes to Jared Leto. No, and they, they really kind of mishandled that character. Well, they, they mishandled all the characters in, in Suicide Squad, really, but... Um, to take such a focal character as the Joker and then give him seven minutes of screen time, you know, he's not, he, he's not Hannibal Lecter. He's not going to be able to get an Academy Award for seven minutes of screen time, but people want to watch that character. That, that character is really magnetic and draws people in. And um, yeah, I just think that they could have done a lot more with him, but no, the, the, uh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, I, I think is going to be good. Um, I actually really enjoyed Shazam uh until all the cg monsters started to to sort of come out um there were no cg monsters in it in the in the ads in the trailers um that i saw and so i took my seven-year-old son to see it and uh once the like those monsters came out they were quite scary and um well, it was presented more as a young audience type film and there were some scenes in there that were definitely very questionable in doing so yeah yeah absolutely and there were points in time when my son said he wanted to go home and and uh he ended up just pulling the blanket over his head whenever i told him a scary part was on and then i could tell him to come back out again but um aside from that like i i thought shazam was really good um i thought that the that the cheeky little uh after credits superman sting was was pretty clever given what was happening at the time the film was released um so I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Shazam, to be honest. Not sure how I feel about The Rock being Black Adam. Um, I think everyone's just come to accept that that's inevitable by this stage because they've been talking about it for seven or eight years now. Um, yeah, the, the the DCEU, I mean, I mean, it's it's not an EU anymore. I, I don't know what you'd call it now, a DCCM, collection of movies or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's kind of frustrating, I know, if you're trying to follow it with with so many bad movies. But there is light at somewhat light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to what we saw with Aquaman. Hopefully, Wonder Woman '84 will be just as good as its predecessor. And you said, even though 
it is not going to be part of this DCEU, really. The Joker prequel is still something that could garner some acclaim for Joaquin Phoenix down the road and just basically be a performance film for all intended purposes. And then we don't know much about Birds of Prey, but hopefully that will go ahead and be much better outing than comparable films like Suicide Squad or anything of that nature. So let's hope that comes to fruition as far as some good vibes towards the DCEU or whatever you want to call it, like I, like you said, at some point in time. So I'm, I'm just like, it's out there. The Zachary Levi, as far as his performance as Shazam, I think was great. I think him it being in that role was, was just truly exceptional. I just think everything around him absolutely stunk, especially the high school scenes were so contrived. Okay, if you and I had gone to high school, or any what whatever that school that takes care of what from first graders to high schoolers. I mean that 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 in itself. There's not too many of those that are that large in that area of the country that actually cater to all those grades. You usually have to go to different schools. But I digress. To me, that got me out right away. But if you and I were actually uh, you know part of the school, we're actually students, and we could park right in front where nobody else could park. That uh, that scene with the truck right there that that just that that those type of things that get me out of the context of everything. I, I know it's very small and minute when it comes to it, but when you when you're talking about a story that also has some issues with Mark Strong's character, I don't think was represented very well. I don't think certain aspects of the familial part of it were represented very well either. I just thought it was basically Zachary Levi. He's doing his shtick and just let him be and do and trying to get through the movie. And it, you know, he did the best he could. I think he has a lot of potential down the road, but I think there's so much more work to do if you want to go ahead and bring out a Shazam too. And I don't even know if that's going to be the case. I think if he's ever going to be put back into the mix, he's going to be put back into the mix within a justice league two or a Black Adam like you're talking about because The Rock is so much more well-known. And Zachary Levi is not a household name and was not a household name going into the film. So I thought that was part of the movie's problems. Just unfortunately, even though it had a, a very cool vibe going into the film, I think it just was not able to portray that out to a vast movie audience. Just talking about Shazam 2, do you reckon that all the other family members had their powers permanently? So, like, are we going to see a Shazam family now? I think gonna... so. I mean, because in the comic books, I thought that was the case. Yeah, I, I just didn't know, like, if they were going to retcon that and just make the focus solely back on Shazam or not. I, I, I thought that was curious. But what I want to ask you is how do you feel about the sparkly vampire becoming the Batman? Uh, actually, we did an episode on this about a, uh, a few weeks back, basically, when you when your title of your episode is "Who is Batman again?" that tells you right there that for I don't know I be honest with you, uh, obviously he's going to revamp his character and try to do what he can to disassociate himself from his past. And Robert Pattinson trying to go ahead and become someone else is either going to work very well and people are going to be very surprised. Or it's going to be a train wreck. And I think you guys uh, you know, out there know me. Sometimes I like to go ahead and watch the uh, you know the wreck as you drive on by. Glad you're not part <laughs> of it. But, you know, you want to at least go ahead and check it out. And I don't know. I just don't think it was a great move. I think there were probably many other candidates. I don't know if Nicholas Holt, who plays Beast in the X-Men movies, was the greatest idea in the world either. I just think, to me, I, I wasn't actually not sold on the bad fleck i thought the bad fleck even given the proper context and the fact that if he could get himself out of rehab would have probably been the best choice to go and continue that realm because i like some continuity within my pictures now that i've been weaned on the marvel cinematic universe i was hopeful that they could go ahead and make better pictures because i don't think the problem is the fact that they have a connected universe i think the problem is that they have just poor writing and poor directing when it comes to the films in the DC movie universe. I think as long as your films are good, the part that it makes it connected makes you even more involved. And we've seen that with Avengers Endgame, the result when you try to go ahead and you have 10 years of connecting films together, you, you have that payoff. You have the number two film of all time because you have them all connected with each other. And the same goes for the DC universe. You could have connected, continued to connect it all these to, uh, to each other, 
And in fact, in, even though you did announce it in the after credits, you still mentioned it in Aquaman. It's still somewhat loosely there. I kind of like the fact that if you go ahead and still try to connect these films together, you just have to make them good. You just have to make sure that you go ahead and put out a product that's worth watching. Even the the Captain Marvel and some other movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe of recent note that might have not gotten the greatest reviews are still good enough and are still watchable enough that, that are really good to get through and that are still able to go ahead and tie in over, into the overall narrative. And I think that in doing so, in going to Robert Pattinson, in going to a character and an individual that I think a lot of people have great questions on, whether he can pull off a young Batman in a detective-type The Batman scenario, that to me is is very... That's a big gamble. You had mentioned the word big gamble before, and this to me is a big gamble. This is bigger than anything that Marvel's actually doing right now with Eternals. I think that's a safer bet. I mean, I'm here in Vegas. If you ask me which is a bigger bet, Robert Pattinson as the Batman or the Eternals, I'm betting on Robert Pattinson as the longer shot to go ahead and be successful long term. Yeah, there was just so many things there that I just didn't... um... I just I can't imagine it now. I I really couldn't imagine um, Ben Affleck as Batman either when that was first announced. But uh, you know he he certainly embodied the certain versions of the character. So the huge Batman, you know, the not just a guy in a suit, but like a tank of a man in a suit who just bashes thugs. So he, like he was he he was that version of a Batman now. One of the things is I just don't see it physically in in Robert Pattinson. I mean, obviously the guy's going to have to bulk up, but he doesn't have the record of say um, Batman from the Nolan films. Oh, you're talking about Christian Bale because Christian, yes, Christian Bale, Bale came out of left field like American Psycho and whatnot. Yeah, he he doesn't have the the track record of Christian Bale of going through these massive body transformations for each film that he does. And I mean, you know, if they if they do any Batman shirtless scenes how they're going to handle all that sparkling off his chest and his stomach. I just, I you, were gonna, you, you beat me to the punch on the sparkle, my friend. Oh, did I steal your punchline? I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say there's, there's, I wonder how much sparkle was going to be there as far as to, you know, get that juice going as far as that's concerned. So, you know, put that sparkle <laughs> on in the, uh, in those uh, thick shakes that they're going to have to go ahead and, you know, those thousand calorie shakes and all that. Plus, uh, you know, maybe, uh, using a little bit of steroids or whatnot, because I don't think he's getting tested if that's the case, but you're right. You're right. Something has to be done as far as him bulking up to be more presentable as a Batman. When you're fighting off crime, you can't just go ahead and give them a glance and a look like you can a moody look like you did for so many movies already in the twilight series. You can't just give them a look like you could back then. When you're talking about the Joker, the Riddler, whoever you're going to go ahead and face off off as. So I don't know. It's going to be a very touchy situation, but when you're watching the DC universe and you, you know, you mentioned you had some, some good cobblers that you made recently and you had a great recipe that you, you know, you spoke to me about. I think cobblers are not a bad deal as far as what you would like to go ahead and create when it comes to watching or enjoying any movie that you can, i.e. probably not very many of them, but let's say Wonder Woman or Aquaman Let's say you're watching that, or for your, in your case, Shazam as well. So you're saying you're watching Shazam, and you, you're interested in, in dining on a good cobbler, because you mentioned before that you had a great cobbler recipe that you wanted to share with our audience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I came up with this just a few weeks ago. It's a, it's a bit of an adult recipe, so I, I don't know that you'd, that you'd want to give it to kids. It'd probably be okay, I suppose. But it's, a, it, it's an apple and fireball cobbler. Now... When I was over in the States, I became aware that Fireball is not a particularly top-shelf drink, um, but over here it is. So for the 750 mil bottle over here, we pay about $65, and I think it's about 9 bucks over in the States. So it's, uh, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It's a, it's a bottom-shelf drink where you are, and it's a, it's a high-end drink over here. So, But I was thinking about making a cobbler, and we don't have an abundance of blackberries over here. It's... It's kind of hard to be able to go and buy as many blackberries as you need to be able to make a whole pie. So I decided, okay, I'm going to make an apple cobbler because we've got tons of apples. What goes well with apple? Cinnamon. What's got cinnamon in it? Fireball. 
so I, I mixed up this uh, this apple kind of apple pie mix, brown sugar, the apples obviously, a little bit of salt, few other things, and uh, and about a cup of fireball. And I was product testing a new barbecue that was sent to me by PK Grills. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to uh, test out their claim that this is a grill and a smoker. And so I set, I set out about the day and I, I smoked up some beef ribs earlier in the day. And then while they were resting, I cranked the temperature back up to 350 Fahrenheit and slipped this cobbler in with, and with the kind of cake mix sort of drizzled across the top and uh, cooked that at 350 for about 45 minutes, turning it halfway through just to make sure that it cooks evenly because the way that cooker works, you've it's it's not a heat underneath and the food on top. It's a heat to the side and a food on the other side. So you want to make sure you rotate that pie to make sure it cooks evenly. And it was really good the first day. It was phenomenal the second day. Once it, the uh, once all the ingredients had had time to sort of sit and settle in the fridge and that, that liqueur had infused everything and, oh man, it was so good. So, so good. Oh my gosh. You're, you're... May want to avoid hitting the kids right now as far as with those. Let them grow up to be uh, 18 or 21 drinking age first, I think, on that. Or is it that potent? I don't know when it finally comes out. Well, it's you, you, you're only using it for flavor. So it's it's maybe a cup of fireball in a whole pie. So it's, oh, not, okay. it's not a huge amount. No, and, it's, and alcohol does cook out. But I'm just saying to be careful because I haven't actually tested it. So no. I, I can't say for sure how much alcohol is going to be left in it by the end. But alcohol does cook out. And as I said, if you're talking about, you know, parts per million and all that sort of stuff, you, you're not sitting them down with a cup of fireball and a straw and saying, there you are, son, have that. You're dispersing it through an entire pie and then cooking it. So It's like rum candy or anything of that nature that, you know, you put a very small amount in just to have the flavor, like you said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just make it sure. Just make it sure. <laughs> want to go ahead and and not be uh, on the wrong end of uh, you know somebody saying, "Hey, hey, I got my kid. He got arrested for DUI. You know, hey, he's only twelve. You know, by he, <laughs> he ate those cobblers." So, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, there, there, there's two problems with that. One, he ate the cobbler, and two, what's a twelve year old doing driving? <laughs> you never know, my friend. Once somebody gets started on your your delicious apple cobblers, I'm kidding, of course. <laughs> it does sound delectable, indeed. Once again, I'm on with my good friend, Ben Arnaud from the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast and also SmokingHotConfessions.com. You got to check out all the great stuff that's going on today in his world, Smoking Hot Confessions. One last thing before I have you talk more about Smoking Hot Confessions, and that is Star Wars Episode Nine, my friend. That is coming up around the corner. Before you know it, we'll be, we'll be ending the Skywalker saga as far as what what they're saying anyways because they want to go ahead on to new trilogies by the writers from the game of thrones and also rian johnson and get on with that plus also have you watch disney plus as well but your thoughts on star wars episode 9 jj abrams getting back onto the, the director's chair trying to see as far as i guess try and create something that Maybe it will be a safe ending. I don't see anything really outreaching. I see him going ahead and after the experience known as The Last Jedi, which was so polarizing to so many people, and you know this, and I can see your expression already, that it was so polarizing for a lot of people out there. People love it or hate it. And it, it just I think that Disney and Lucasfilm wanted to go ahead and have something safe. And just like he did in the first film, not try to go way overboard on trying to create new Star Wars lore, but just trying to go ahead and, and take what was good about the Star Wars narrative and just make it safe enough for audiences to go ahead and appreciate. I thought the first Star Wars, as far as the reboot is concerned, was okay. Uh, after all of a sudden done with The Last Jedi, I thought, okay, there were some highs and there were some lows that were just all over the place when it comes to The Last Jedi. But your thoughts on where we're heading to when it comes to Episode Nine, and your excitement for the Star Wars saga as far as the Skywalker saga finally coming to an end. Yeah, there were definitely some some really good points about The Last Jedi that I'd like to see explored. So this concept of, um, of Luke Skywalker being able to not teleport, but um, like remote view himself across the universe visually i love that fight scene on crate where each time they sort of move their feet they're breaking through that salt crust and that brilliant red color is underneath so i i, th I thought visually that was just 
spectacular. In terms of the new one, Kylo Ren has to keep his shirt on. Not interested in any more of that. <laughs> that, that was just awkward. The not like I'm not trying to, you know, bash the guy for you know how he looks at all. That's not what I'm saying. But just the scene was awkward. And I think Daisy Ridley played that off perfectly as being awkward. Yeah, yeah. But I I felt like, hang on, are they like what is this connection supposed to be? Is this turning into a forbidden romance type thing, or like what is what is happening here? Yeah, I just I yeah that sort of really left field ambiguity sort of threw me off a bit. I could have done without the entire casino sequence. You and I both, you and I both. The whole thing, riding those funny racehorse looking things. Yeah, I could have done without that whole thing. So coming into the new one, I'm addicted at the moment to watching all these daily Star Wars theory videos. And, uh, there seems to be a new one every day and then 16 people will make a video about that, that new theory every day. As much as the child in me would like to see Luke resurrected, I don't think we're going to see him resurrected. I think we're going to see him as a force ghost and like a, like a mentor type thing sort of in, in continuation with the canon. But the fact that Palpatine's going to be in it, means that they are going to be crossing those borders of resurrection or something like that, which I think is going to be, is going to be interesting because if there's a lot of sort of Christian parallels in these stories, and if you're going to have the bad guy resurrected, then you've got to have the good guy resurrected as well. Cause you know, you can't just have the main hero, Luke Skywalker sort of whispering from a cloud. Try this, try that. No, you can't. No, you like, can't. You, you know, you got to, if you're going to have the big bad come back, you've got to have the big good come back as well. So I think that, I think that's going to be interesting. I'm excited that JJ's back. I think he probably had a, had an overall vision for what he wanted to do from the start. And some of the criticism for the first one of the new trilogy, the force awakens was that it retreads all the old stuff. That's why I said it was safe. That's why I said he was treading on safe water. Cause he, he went about it in a, in what I, define as a safe fashion because he did tread on a lot of already tried and true type uh, themes and narratives that was already created within the Star Wars universe. Proved not to be because it garnered over $2 billion. You can't argue with that. No, 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 no. He's got to sort of balance tapping into the nostalgia of the people in our age group who grew up with the original Star Wars and also meeting the merchandise requirements of attracting all new kids to it to go and buy all the toys and stuff. So yeah, I, um, I think he's going to be the one to do it though. If, if, uh, if Rian Johnson was coming back again, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd be a bit skeptical. Um, I'm interested to see what he does though, with his own standalone trilogy when he's able to just, you know, take and mold his own story. That's, that's unrelated to the Skywalker series and what we already know and love i think that's going to be interesting because as i said there were some really nice visual elements of the of the last jedi there were some nice story beats in there at times i guess we sort of can't talk about the the next star wars movie and not talk about carrie though yeah so, how are they going to go ahead and explain that and we know we've seen or we've heard that there's some not used footage from star wars the force awakens that will be part of it that will be integrated within the confines of Star Wars Episode Nine, Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting as well. I have read that they're doing a nice scene with her and her daughter, who she's now a general or something, I think I read. Yeah, she's, um, a, she's a resistance, but you're right. She, she does move up and rank it. She did, uh, you know, she's, she's become acclaimed actress on her own. She was recently in Booksmart. I mean, that's something that a lot of people need to go out of the way to see as she's really garnered some acclaim. So... I, I'm looking forward to good things as far as her character is concerned. Yeah, yeah, I, I quite liked her in uh, in American Horror Story as well. She's done, um, she's played quite a few different roles in that now. Which, just as a TV show, I just think that that's brilliant. Um, I, I studied theatre in my first university degree, and that whole idea of a troupe of actors, and okay, we're going to put on this show, and then everybody shuffles character, and we're going to put on the next show, and then. It's very old school sort of traditional approach to to theater and that they're taking that to television. But anyway, we're, I'm, I'm down the rabbit hole. I'm on a sidetrack here. 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting what they do with with Carrie. Um, the, the the whole Carrie Poppins thing I thought was a little bit left field. She gets sucked out into space and then, oh, she's actually using the Force. Well, that was a narrative, as I've said before, that they could have used to, I don't want to say write her out because she had already passed away by the time that movie came out. And it would have been probably in their best interest to go ahead and maybe at that point in time, narratively, they, there was an out there and they chose not to take it. And I, I'm I'm pretty sad that they did because the fact that they're now going to try and put themselves in a pickle and trying to get themselves out of it by finding unused footage, by having to do all this CGI and all that. So it, it, to me, they had themselves an out and didn't take it. Yeah, it's they've kind of painted themselves into a corner a little bit with her. But that said, you know, if we get to see Carrie pick up a lightsaber and start chopping some stormtroopers, that'd be pretty cool too. That was what we were hoping for. I know a lot of people were as well. And hopefully one day she'll get the respect from Disney that I think she deserves. Like, you know, become a Disney princess. My gosh, she probably makes you more as a princess still to this day than still any of, you know, almost any of those uh, princesses that are out there for Disney. So, you know what? Come on, make her official Disney princess. It wouldn't kill you. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the 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 whole concept of the Disney princess is coming under fire a bit lately too. I took my son to see Wreck-It Ralph too. And uh, they really sort of roasted the uh, the the concept of the Disney princess in that film. I thought that was quite interesting given the current political climate. Exactly, exactly. But yes, uh, there's a lot of great things to talk about, my friend. And last but not least, are you expecting when it comes to Star Wars Episode Nine something really cataclysmic or, or just a nice, uh, I don't want to say a soft or a slow closure to the series, just something that fans can truly be proud of? Your, JJ is going to be helming it, so there is probably going to be some type of you know, a happy ending. I think that's going to be constructed that will try to please most of the Star Wars fans because you can't please all of them. But do you expect overall that Star Wars Episode Nine is going to end up on a good note? I think it's going to be bittersweet. I don't think he's going to be able to tie it up in a nice bow and we all get the warm, fuzzy feelings walking out of the cinema. I think that there's going to have to be tragedy balanced with victory in that film. I think we're going to have to, maybe Chewbacca is going to buy it this time. I don't know. Like, It'll be tragedy balanced with victory, I think. I think you got to put the Millennium Falcon in there as well. Oh, you reckon he's going to blow up the Millennium Falcon? I think you have to. I think at this point, I think it's, I love the Millennium Falcon, but it it, it would feel real out of place if it showed up on somebody else's uh, trilogy or any other part of the Star Wars universe, uh, say, let's flash forward 50, 100 years later. Because we've already done that in Star Wars The Force Awakens, where it was sitting basically in dust and mothballs and then revived. So why do that again? So, I mean, at this point in time, I mean, if if there's anything that's going to go ahead and, and as far as an icon from the Star Wars universe, Chewbacca could be one, but I think the Millennium Falcon could be another. Ooh, yeah. If you had to choose, which one would you prefer to see gone? I wouldn't say I want to prefer to see gone, but I think the best narratively, because I like to think in that scope, would probably be the Millennium Falcon. Oh, I think maybe at some point where they may have to detonate it or destroy it for some reason, and there will be this long moment of of silence or you know with the music or whatever, just and it's bloom like that, or it could be something where it's just inoperable to the point where it needs to be destroyed. But I just think it it of the two, I think Chewbacca being killed off would probably be i don't know the, the harder move to make yeah true interesting but they can always make solo two and three to uh to continue the chewbacca character so yeah i don't think that's happening anytime. <laughs> <laughs> but again i'm on with my good friend it is ben arno from the smoking hot confessions podcast you got to check out his awesome podcast today before i go in and where tell everybody where your podcast is at as far as where they can find it and your awesome site as well. I need to hear it from you, my friend, and they need to hear as far as our audience is concerned. Why do you want to go ahead and be a part of the Smoking Hot Confessions experience? Well, I, I try and take a, a really unique experience on the whole barbecue scene. So um, I don't just do recipes. I have a podcast show of my own, the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, where I interviewed 
different people involved in the in the wider barbecue scene. So I'll I'll talk to competitors about how they do what they do. I'll talk to uh, rub manufacturers, smoker manufacturers, event promoters, event organizers, all that sort of thing. So I, I try and get a take on the on the industry as a whole, and I put all that into smokinghotconfessions.com. So um, all that stuff is there. We've just recently released a line of uh, just killer merch. So we've got some uh, some really interesting caps and T-shirts and uh, insulated tumblers to keep your cold drinks cold and your hot drinks hot, all that sort of stuff. So by all means, check all that out as well. We've got a couple of eBooks on there. If you're into competition barbecue or if you love bacon, there's an eBook there at, uh, as well for you. Uh, how to make bacon at home and then what to do with it. Some recipes and whatnot. So there's loads of good stuff there. We're all over the socials, YouTube channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You'll find us everywhere. Just do a search for Smoking Hot Confessions. And one of the things that I do, particularly on um, on YouTube and Facebook, and now that Instagram has IGTV, now I'm doing it on Instagram as well, is I do run around Australia and around the United States doing um, video interviews. So short short snippets at at competitions, at festivals. And so there's a there's a visual element to it now as well. You actually get to uh, to hear from some of the champions in the game themselves, which is quite fun. So for a detailed look at the entire barbecue industry as a whole, competition, food, the devices that you need to go ahead and make it in the inside on rubs on, on, and all that, the best place to go is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Check it out today on Apple Podcasts and over 30 different podcast outlets. And of course, his awesome site, his ebooks too, and that is SmokingHotConfessions.com. Well, my friend, I'll tell you what, it's been awesome talking pop culture with you as always. I want to check in with you from time to time as well, not only on great recipes, because I got a lot more great recipes coming later this summer I'd like to throw at you, or some great ideas I want to hear from you when it comes to some steaks. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about you the other day, man, when we were going, I was going through Costco and I was seeing all those steaks. I'm like, hmm, I wonder how Ben would grill each and every one of these steaks. I wonder how. Some great steak ideas, maybe some also as well, going back into shish kebabs or, or some other things that you like to go ahead when it comes to grilling and everything like you go ahead as far as all your great ideas and everything you like to go ahead and, and put on the grill. I just Anytime you, you stop by, when you're, whether it's pop culture or cooking, I just love to hear your thoughts, my friend. Anytime, mate. Anytime. I love being part of the show, and I love the fact that uh, that that you love to talk food as well as uh, comics and movies and TV shows. Because I'm exactly the same. So uh, I always look forward to it every time you reach out to me and uh, and ask me if you like, if I've uh, if I'd like to be on the show. So well, I love talking about it. But the problem is my scale loves to tell me that I love talking about it and experiencing it way too much when I talk about cooking and pop culture. But you know what? It's all worth it. It's all worth indeed because of the delicious, delicious recipes that you always provide us on the show and all the great things at the Smoking Hot Confessions, it's definitely worth it. My friend, I'll tell you what, it's just awesome having you on the show and being part of the pop culture cosmos.
to the pop culture cosmos do you enjoy tv shows movies video games comics or novels do you enjoy listening to people discuss geeky topics without getting bent out of shape when they disagree if you do then the 42 cast is right for you we're a podcast with a rotating cast of guests that discusses a new topic every week you can find us on stitcher radio itunes google play or 42cast.com 
You can also support us and the entire ESO network by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. That's the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.